Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Now, we are the only animals not created for dominance. Um, We took a trip to Africa. We spent three weeks in the bush in Africa about 12 or 14 years ago. And every animal group in Africa, every animal group, one, you know, one of them dominates the other. That's just simply the way they're made. But when God created mankind in Genesis 2, there's never a reference to one being over the other. That's the way God created them. And in Ephesians 5, when the roles of marriage are explained in Ephesians 5, it begins in verse 21 by saying, submit to one another in the fear of Christ. And then it tells women how to submit, and then it tells men how to submit. Karen and I never discuss who the boss of our marriage is because the boss of our marriage is Jesus Christ. But when we began in marriage, I dominated Karen. I had a very dominant personality. And because of that, we had no intimacy. We had a horrible marriage. Uh, we had Everything I'm going to describe here was Karen and me early in our marriage, but we, we learned to overcome it. We learned to disarm it. And now we have a wonderful marriage where we share everything together. Let me, let me give you a definition of dominance when I talk about this. It means disproportionate control of the relationship and those elements common to the relationship, like children, like money, those types of things. It means someone, someone has more stock than the other person. If there's a company and you both have 50% of the stock, and that's a good marriage. In a, in a dominant marriage, someone has more stock. In fact, sometimes someone has all the stock. And 100% of the decisions are made by one person. If you can picture a dollhouse uh, and you crank the lid back on a dollhouse and you're looking down into a dollhouse, a, a, a good family, you know, a, a functional family, what you'll see is you'll see two big rooms in this house. And, the, and that's mom and dad. Mom and dad have the same size rooms. And then when children are born, they really don't have a room. They don't really get to say anything related to the family. As they get older, we may talk to them about where we go on vacation or where we go out to eat tonight or something like that. And then the older a child gets, we're, we're trying to help them to grow up as a responsible adult. So we give them a little bit more voice in the family. So they have a room and you know, they get 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, their room grows. It never gets nearly as big as our room. But then when they're 18, we kick them out of the house because they get real opinionated. <laughs> and so we, you know, we, we want them to leave at that point. You know what I'm talking about? So, but, but that's a healthy child. A healthy child has, gets a voice in the family. Uh, the older they get, they get a voice never to rival our room. And mom and dad's room are always the same size. When you look into a dysfunctional family, what you'll see is a big room a room that's bigger than everybody else's, okay? Now, dominance is gender neutral. There is as many dominant men as are women, okay? About half and half. So it's, it's not a male thing, it's not a female thing, it's just a human thing. So you look down in this house and there's a big room and the other spouse has a smaller room and, and the kids have small rooms. Now, in a really dysfunctional family, the kids have the biggest rooms. And there are families where the kids run the family. Okay, and that's the worst that you can possibly have. But, but in marriage, when we talk about dominance, there are three basic ways that dominance is exercised. It's manipulation, intimidation, or domination. Now, I dominated Karen, somewhat intimidated her because I was verbally abusive. 
manipulation, intimidation, domination. Here, here's how it manifests uh, when people are being dominant. Guilt, shame, uh, punishment for resistance or challenge. I'm going to punish you if you don't do what I want. Threats of divorce, affairs, self-harm, force of personality, controlling spirit, refusal to receive input, nagging, abuse, those types of things. And so control is what we're talking about. Control is exhibited in, in different forms. There are three basic types of dominance, and that is there's global dominance, and that is one person controls everything. There's selective dominance where a spouse might not control everything, but they control the money. They control the children. They control the home or, or whatever like that. Uh, and then there's seasonal dominance. There might be times under stress or times when you're fighting in the marriage that you, know, you take control of something that you wouldn't normally uh, be control of. Now, let me show you this. This is interesting. I've done this all over the world to many thousands of people. I'm going to ask you two questions. And I want, you, I want you to respond by raising your hand if, if you agree with what I'm saying. And, but I want you to look around. I want you to look around at the group and I want you to see the number of hands that go up. How many of you were raised in a home where one of your parents was clearly dominant over the other parent? Raise your hand. Okay, put your hands up. This happens all over the world. Look around, look around. Look at all the hands that are up. Okay, I've got my hand up. Okay, because one of my parents was. Okay, put your hand down. How many of you believe the ones that raised your hands, how many of you believe that that dominance had a negative effect on your parents' marriage and the family in general? Raise your hands. Look around. Every hand went back up that I can see. Every hand. All over the world. 70%. It's about 70% of any group, when you ask them that question, 70% of the hands immediately go up. People don't have to say, oh, let me think about that. You know, I mean... You know, you know that you know that one of your parents dominated the others. Now, one day, maybe your children will be in one of my seminars. I'm going to ask them that question. <laughs> what would they say? Okay. I want to go back and I want to say, it just doesn't work. God didn't create us that way. It wasn't the original design for marriage. In fact, when Adam and Eve fell, that's when dysfunction and control came into the human race and God cursed Eve and said, you're going to try to control your husband, but he will dominate you. There's going to be a fight for dominance. And thank God that that curse can be removed in Jesus Christ, that we can remove that curse from our relationships. It's all over the world. It's all, it's all over the world in marriages, but here's the dangerous dynamic of, of dominance. First of all, it always creates damage. It always creates damage. It never works. If it worked, it'd be great. It just doesn't work. It certainly didn't work for Karen and me. In 1998, uh, John Gottman, University of Washington, released a study. He had 130 uh, 30 newly married couples that he studied for six years. He took this 130 couples, studied them intensely for six years. They taught them active listening. Active listening is someone says something to you and you say, here's what I heard you say. Okay. And they practiced active listening for six years. At the same time he was studying that group, he had another group that he had been watching for 13 years. And they had not been taught active listening, but he was studying this other group for 13 years. At the end of the study, with the 130 couples and the other couples that he had been tracking, he came to the conclusion that active listening doesn't work. It didn't help at all. But what they found after studying all these couples for all those years 
is the common element of success in all the couples that had good marriages was shared control of the relationship. Here's the way they put it. Receiving influence from each other. To the degree that you are willing to receive influence from your spouse, both of you are, is to the degree that you will have a marriage free of dominance. Because dominance always creates uh, destruction. It always creates damage. And so the, the consequences of dominance, first of all, is emotional distance. You're just not going to be close because remember, in one of the teachings, I taught you that the number one need of a man is honor. The number one need of a woman is security. Dominance makes a man feel disrespected and a woman feel insecure. So when a man's being dominated, it emasculates him. When a woman is feeling dominated, she's feeling completely insecure, like she's not a partner in the relationship. She doesn't have any stock in the relationship. So it's always going to create emotional distance, and it always, it always communicates disrespect. You never uh, respect a person you control. If I respected you, I wouldn't control you. When I, when I dominated Karen, I didn't respect her. I, did, I was a chauvinist. I just didn't think she was equal to me. I was raised in a family where there was a lot of chauvinism, and I had been taught that. And so I disrespected her. So it's going to communicate disrespect. You're going to lose passion. You, you begin it, As soon as the dominance begins, the passion of the relationship is going to subside, and ultimately it becomes damaging and destructive. But let me tell you what it does to children. Um, dominance, when children grow up in a home where there's a dominant parent, it mismodels for them. And what research has proven is the, let me, let me give you four types of family systems from worst to best. Okay. The worst type of families are female dominated families. This is according to research now. Okay. The second worst are male dominated families. Okay. Is then the, ne the next best is equalitarian. And equalitarian homes are homes where there's complete equality between men and women. But one of the things they notice in research is in equalitarian homes, the children lack ascendancy. And that means they don't know how to achieve properly. They don't know how to ascend socially because they didn't watch it. The number one best homes, according to research, are male-led homes where the husband treats the wife as an equal but he initiates the well-being of the home. See, one of a woman's deepest needs is leadership, not dominance. Women want their husband to initiate the well-being of the children, the discipline, the spirituality of the home, the finances of the home, and the romance of the home. Women want their husband to be the loving initiator of the home with them being an equal. That's what makes women feel most secure and most well taken care of. And when children grow up in a home where they have a father who is a loving leader of the home, treating his wife as an equal, the children are most emotionally healthy and they have ascendancy. They understand what leadership looks like. They understand what it's like for someone to take the initiative. Okay, so if you don't have a male-led home, the next best is an equalitarian home. But other than that, when you have a male-dominated or a female-dominated home, you're going to have dysfunction within that. So let me, let me explain something to you. You always marry according to your level of emotional health. Health marries health. Unhealth marries unhealth. There's always a balance to it. When Karen and I met... Um, I never had an insecure day in my life. I was the class clown. I was, you know, popular. I was confident. I just, I, I, I was 
I had too much ego, way too much ego. I thought I was God. I've never met a person with as low self-esteem as Karen when we got married, ever. Karen was beautiful, thought she was ugly, thought God hated her. She, she had self-hate. I, I mean, literally, Karen was beautiful. I have a huge family, and I would take Karen. When, when we went into public, Karen stood behind me. And I would pull her out from behind me and introduce her like to a family member. And as soon as I finished introducing her, she was back behind me. It was like she was on a spring-loaded thing or something. You know, it's just like she just kept going behind me. Because she had such terrible self-esteem, we were the perfect match. I thought I was God. She thought she was the devil. It didn't work. It never works. This is the way God designed marriage to work. In fact, this is the way God designed marriage to work. For the man to be just a little bit more assertive than the woman, but to treat her as an equal. This is the perfect marriage. This might work a little bit with a woman a little bit more assertive. But it's not good for the male ego, but in this range right here, it's good. The further you get away from this, the worse it becomes. And sometimes, see, like with Karen and me, what, see, I could have never, I could have never married a confident woman because I was, I was too sick emotionally. I was unhealthy emotionally. I had a lot of insecurity, a lot of fear inside of me, but I masked it by being confident. And I didn't know that. I, had, I didn't understand that until uh, you know, I received Christ and the Holy Spirit began to do surgery on my heart and all these things began to be exposed. But when Karen and I got married, you know, it just simply didn't work. It was dysfunctional. But I was attracted to her because she accommodated me emotionally and she was attracted to me because I accommodated her emotionally. She needed a man with the self-confidence that she didn't have. And I needed a woman that would accommodate my, my ego. So we were a match. Okay? Women, a very assertive woman, always marries a very passive man. Two dominant people can't marry each other because there would be a murderer quickly. Okay? You know, two very passive people can't marry because they would starve to death because they can't decide where to eat lunch. And so, you know, you, you always marry to your level of emotional health. Health marries health. Unhealth marries unhealth. So Karen and I, see, we're, God put us together. You might say, Jimmy, that doesn't sound like God put you together. God put us together as broken people, but God put us together as healed people. Isn't it, isn't it beautiful that God can do that? So when I'm using my hands here, you're somewhere on this scale. I don't know where you are, okay? But I'm going to tell you, if you're not in this range, you have problems. There's, there's disrespect. There's lost intimacy. There's frustration. There's those kinds of things. Now, when I asked you earlier to raise your hand if, you know, one of your parents was clearly dominant or the other one, what, mine, mine was, okay, most of you had bad examples, so one of the things that we have to overcome in becoming healthy is overcoming those bad examples. This is Brent Evans with Marriage Today, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out marriagetoday.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, videos, articles, and live events.